Now, back to Tesh Matters with Jeff Boggs. Phone lines are open. Reach out and touch Jeff at 367-1240. And we are back 32 minutes after 11 o'clock, our Mellow Joy Coffee time as we welcome back to the show... Richard A. Bear, A. Bear's Garden Center. How are you doing, sir? Jeff, I'm doing very well. The heat is on, though. Huh? Uh, no doubt about it. Holy uh, cow. People uh, better be watering uh, for the next week or so. That's for sure. The uh, You know, someone came in the store yesterday and was mentioning that you know, she's having trouble with Vinca. Vinca loves it hot and dry, right? That's a that's a, that's a a flower. It loves it hot and dry. She said, man, I'm still losing them. They're young plants, so I, I guess it's just too hot. I said, no, believe it or not, uh, at this point, you cannot overwater, even Vinca. You know, Vinca, you would say, but a young plant, pretty much everything that's newly planted or in a container will have to be watered every day. And that's true whether it be raised beds, whether it be a container. Now, in the ground, a little bit different. It kind of depends, but because but, uh, the ground will hold more moisture. So, uh, uh, you know, advantage ground right now when it's this dry. But you know what's going to happen, Jeff. When it starts to rain, it's not going to stop, and then it's going to be a huge advantage to the containers because uh, they won't they won't just hold water and rot. So right now, whether it be a flower or a vegetable, it's going to take uh, everyday watering uh, to be successful. They really will struggle. Otherwise, you got to uh, try to try to mulch the, the the containers or the raised bed because that'll help you hold moisture, keep the soil temperature down, and ideally you know you want to water in the mornings now that's an ideal scenario people say oh you can't water in the middle of the day because it's going to scald that's not true uh you can water anytime you want but it is better in the mornings because it'll get through the toughest part of the day and it's going to retain more of that moisture uh, as opposed to watering at high noon for example where the water is just going to be half of it's going to be evaporating i've been uh, watering uh in the later afternoon once they're under shade that's correct, and, uh, and and that's fine. And, and, so, and not only because that's the most convenient time. Yeah, you, some, you know, some people, you, you get to work early in the morning. You don't have time to work in the morning, yeah. so you just got to do what you got to do. And, uh, and you know, especially when it comes to vegetables, don't water, don't water the leaves. I mean, you don't want to put these, um, um, you know, isolating sprinklers on there where it's just wet and everything. Just want to soak the ground really good, and uh, it's, it's critical. Is that, is that for most plants? It's it's more critical with vegetables because okay. uh, they're more disease prone. Uh, not nearly as critical with lawn with grass, for example. I mean, grass. How would you water the yeah, grass? Yeah. And I guess you could, but uh, uh, but but as a general rule, uh, in an ideal world, you'd always want to water the soil as opposed to watering the uh, uh, the leaves. You know, tropicals. It's very you know rainforest type yeah, plants. Right, they, right. They're used to that, and they can. So there's certain things that no, it'd be okay, but. Generally, it's the vegetables that'll give you the most fungus issues, and uh, we've seen a lot of a lot, you know, a lot of bug problems, uh, you know, a lot of fungus issues. So, you want to kind of stay on top of that, and just make uh, uh, you know a lot of visual inspections. But I think the, the the key right now is water, water, water. If you're going to fertilize, you're going to have to water. I'm not recommending people coming in saying, "I, I want to water, I want to fertilize my citrus, I want to uh, fertilize my lawn." Um, I want to fertilize my trees, and we're saying no. It's not worth the risk. In other words, if you put a lot of fertilizer out there and you just just can't keep it wet enough, you'll do more harm than good. Just wait till we get a decent amount of rain and put it down. You got you got all summer to do it, and it's just not it's just not going to. Uh, just remember what fertilizer does. It actually pulls moisture out of the ground. So when you fertilize, and if you don't water whatever whatever water whatever water is in the soil, it's going to pull it to it. 
Mm-hmm. And so what little moisture you have, it's going to pull it out, out of the soil, and that's, there goes your issue. So if you fertilize and you just water a little bit, you know, you say, oh, but you, in your mind you think it's a lot, uh, then it's going to pull what, uh, that little moisture you put out. It's going to pull it away from the roots. And there, and therein lies the issue. So, does that go for liquid fertilizer too? Uh, liquids, uh, liquids. No, that's that's that would be a way to do it. Obviously, you wouldn't want to do that with grass because liquids work fast and don't last long. So it's really not practical. Got but it. but it is very practical to use liquid fertilizer with vegetables and flowers because it works fast, but it won't last long. Uh, you still want to use it in combination with dry granules, but you yes you could. You could uh, use liquid fertilizers now when it comes to, you know, uh, certain plants. Usually it's going to be flowers and vegetables. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and that would work fine as a good supplement. So just, just kind of keep that in mind. But today I want to talk a little bit about uh, about crepe myrtles. All okay. the, uh, you know, for the listeners who don't know, the crepe myrtles are the tree you see the most of. And there's a reason for that. Uh, you see the most of. They're blooming all over town right now. Downtown New Iberia is lined with a lot of uh pinkish uh to reddish uh a lot of petals too on the floor on the ground that's true they can be messy and that's a good point that is a location 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 a bad location for crepe myrtles around a swimming pool because they're constantly dropping stuff especially this time of year when it gets some rain and all the petals fall and uh but but they do drop leaves in the winter time so there's a lot of issues with crepe myrtles in situations where uh, for example, a pool or a patio where you have a lot of patio furniture. So you want to be careful of that. But, but crepe myrtles, are, are, you see them as a readily used plant. And the main reason you see that is because they're so darn hardy. And they give you a lot of color. You know, usually when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, getting color in the landscape, we tell people that, you know, the, the prettiest stuff is the highest maintenance. Well, it's not true when it comes to uh, crepe myrtles. Not at all. Uh, very high maintenance. I mean, uh, very low maintenance, uh, but you can get a lot of bang for your buck. Uh, once you get a crepe myrtle established and growing, it's going to pretty much take care of itself. There's a few things you can do, which we'll talk about as we go on with the program, but that would help the crepe myrtle. But they are very resilient. Um, and the other big uh, thing that they're resilient to is hurricanes. Uh, they just don't have enough canopy to uh, create a wind block, and the canopy they do have is small uh, limbs, so you're not going to get you know these big big limb breakage as you will get with you know some other trees. So and they will they, their roots are really tight and mass in the soil, so you're not going to get any uprooting of crepe myrtles. So that's why you see a lot of them. They don't blow down. Uh, uh, th- they can take stress from from heat and drying out. And the other big factor over the last two three years is the cold weather doesn't affect them. So you don't got to worry about the uh, cold. Um, you know, location, you know, ideally for crepe myrtles, they love the full sun uh, to part sun. So they'll tolerate a little bit shade, but really you don't want to give a crepe myrtle uh, dense shade. Uh, not that they won't grow, but they won't thrive. They, they will be spindly. Uh, they will bloom little or a lot less. And so they just won't be vigorous in growing. And the other thing with crepe myrtles, you want to put them in a location that gets good airflow. You don't want to put them uh, where maybe they're in a corner where, you know, the wind doesn't go through them or they're backed up behind a bunch of other shrubs. Airflow is important in terms of uh, disease issues as well as uh, insect issues. So uh, uh, full sun uh, to part sun, good airflow. And then for, uh, finally, when you do select the crepe motor you want, you've got to know, uh, you know, 
what will this variety do? And what I mean by that, there are basically, uh, you know, four types of uh, crepe myrtles, uh, some that will stay as a shrub, which what I mean by shrub, they'll get about four to five feet tall. So you actually put them in a bed. And those are kind of unique. You don't see a lot of them, but they do very well and and, uh, can be planted amongst other shrubs. Then there's dwarf crepe myrtles. You know, dwarf crepe myrtles, they get about eight to ten feet tall. So those can be put... Uh, in front of the house or near the house because they won't get that big. And then there's a semi-dwarf varieties, which will get about 10 to 15 feet tall. And then you get the old standard varieties that will get 15 to 30 feet tall. And uh, that's some of the big ones you see around. All of them, you know, sometimes when it comes to, like, citrus trees, they have dwarf citrus that really don't perform as well or they're more cold-sensitive. But all of these varieties of crepe myrtles or, or the types of crepe myrtles will actually uh, perform extremely well. And none of them are, are less hardy than others when it comes. So it's kind of one of those one of those uh, unique things in terms of of, of, a, of a plant that you can utilize in the landscape for different areas. Uh, meaning that if you are going to plant it close to the house, you would think that you'd would nothing bigger than ten to fifteen feet, uh, maybe close to the eight to ten foot variety. So so you can utilize those in different different ways. Whereas the large ones, which were uh, 15 to 30 feet tall, you can actually use those as partial shade trees. Now, sometimes you have to cluster these trees in groups of three to provide shade. But uh, in, the right, in the right situation, uh, crepe myrtles can actually perform very, very well, and you can maneuver them to work for you. The main thing is, is that you just pick the right variety for, for the right location. All right. When it comes to care, like I said earlier, uh, there's really not a lot of uh, care involved. Uh, you know, we talk about, you know, the crepe murder, murder issue where you prune them uh, and where people kind of over prune. And, you know, you really don't need to do that. Uh, uh, crepe myrtles will perform much better if you do prune them. And you definitely want to prune them in the, in the dormant period, which would be generally December, January, February. You don't want to do a lot of pruning once they start to sprout because that will either eliminate or reduce blooming big time. But you don't need to cut them down to the nub. You can yeah, actually go ahead. Not to interrupt because I know it's two different topics, but about uh, trimming. Like I'm looking at the one uh, across the street and all the things coming out. Uh, yes. Those you can trim anytime you want, right? At the bottom. Yeah, it, it, at the, the bottom. The, the sucker is at the bottom, and that is correct. Uh, the sucker issue, as, as opposed to the, the, the tall part, um, those need to be. And actually, this is the product I bought. It's called Sucker Punch. <laughs> and this is something that actually works, Jeff. You know, some of those things that, that you say, well, yeah, it sounds good, but it doesn't work. These, you spray these on these young suckers when they first start. You spray it directly on those suckers, and it won't hurt the tree, but it will prevent those suckers from coming up for one year, which for some people, that's a big deal. You for know? the whole year. For the whole year, which is basically, usually it's it's for four or five months yeah, because yeah. they go dormant. And sure, sure. But. That whole summer, and for a lot of you, that's a big deal because you might have 15 or 20 crepe myrtles, uh, and it's mm-hmm. just a pain to go out there and, and constantly prune them. And uh, this <laughs> this works, and you just got to spray the the. You can't let them get too too big, but once you if they're that big, you cut them back, and they'll come back very fast. And when they get about 18, 12, 18 inches tall with leaves, you spray it on there, and boom, you're done for the summer. Is there any way to say transplant those suckers? Like uh, you, you do other. Uh, yeah, you could actually uh, cuttings, but it would be better actually to take the cuttings off of the upper part. So, oh, okay. so these are actually coming from the 
the trunk itself. So you couldn't you couldn't dig them out. You'd have to cut them and take cuttings. But you want to be wary of that. Uh, if you're going to want to take cuttings, you're going to take off vegeta- vegetative growth on the upper part of the plant, and that you, you're going to get a truer uh, uh, you're going to get a truer match if you do it that way, as opposed to coming from from way way down. Okay. Um, but anyway, so so th- that's kind of uh, one of the biggest issues with care. The the other thing with care is that uh, you know don't take a lot of fertilization. At the most, once a year would help you, especially if you have a plant who you, you find is not, is not very vigorous or not maybe blooming a lot or you, you would think could bloom better. Once a year in the spring, March, April, it would be a great time to go ahead and fertilize it. Pruning correctly would help. Removing those suckers is another care issue that you have to deal with. And, uh, and, then, the, and then the leaves, and as you just said, Jeff, the, uh, the petals and the pods falling. So... Good location is important, as well as the wrong location will become now it becomes a high-maintenance tree, meaning that if you put it near a patio or a swimming pool or maybe uh, near a place where you're going to park cars, then it sometimes can become an issue. So kind of think of that. Of that, It does drop a lot of things. But you know what? If it's in the middle of the yard or, or from a distance or even near the house, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, in terms of maintenance, we had, we had a problem on. Remember our not the original location, but at least when I got to town, when we were on East Across Main, the hospital, yeah. we had those beautiful crepe myrtles uh, lined in front of the building, but those petals would fall on that concrete or stone uh, walkway, and that became slip slippery if it was yeah, wet. That's right, absolutely. They'll kind of mildew or mold, and, and exactly right, and that. Uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of the issue. So it's really not the tree's problem. It's more of the, the selection of the right plant for the right location. And, but if you put this in the right spot, it's usually a grassy area or an area that uh, you're viewing from a distance that you don't have anything that you need to, to maintain. It, it really it really is a hardy plant that gives and you a lot it. of color. And I know we've talked about it before, but I, I love the way the uh, bark looks or the lack of bark. Absolutely, and that's one of the uh, like one of the, one of the aesthetic features of the crepe myrtle is the bark becomes scaly. Some are better than others, uh, scaly, and it does as it matures and becomes older. That bark is unique, and you know a lot of people. Uh, you know, there's multi-trunk crepe myrtles. Usually, it's like three trunks, or there's standard crepe myrtles which are single trunk. By nature, they'll be multi-trunk, but you can purchase them in a single trunk, and those can also be very, uh, you know, very very pretty. Uh, just the just the looks the aesthetic looks of the plant itself, and uh, you know by by proper pruning and keeping those uh, the the trunks clean of spindly wood. If you do that, a crepe myrtle can look very very pretty in the wintertime. And that gets back to your comment about the scaly bark. You know, when it loses leaves, if it's pruned correctly and and the and the small spindly wood is cleaned out, it it is a beautiful tree with that scaly bark and. Uh, and, and and I guess it, the the characteristics of the spreading look of it uh, makes it very pretty. And as they do downtown, Jeff, they'll put lights in the uh, mm. in the crepe myrtle. Or do they leave the lights in there? They just turn them on in the window. Well, the ones I'm looking at, uh, but they often end up uh, redoing. Them redoing, yeah, I guess it don't work. That's right. Year. And but anyway, so uh, you know, there's a lot of things you can do to it, but a lot of ways you can make the. Uh, um, Make the plant look good, even when it's not uh, in the wintertime. Some of the issues they do have, 
uh, and some some of this can be variety, but powdery mildew is one that we can see a lot of. We're not going to probably see a lot of it right now because it's not moist enough, but powdery mildew, they actually the leaves will turn white and like like a little powder on them, and, uh, and that needs to be taken care of. Uh, you also get something called anthracnose, which is the yellowing of the leaves and with, with black spots on it. Uh, that occurs, usually that occurs also when we get in a lot of rain, and we haven't seen either one of those this year. Aphids, we talk about all the time, uh, Jeff, the sooty mold issue, that is a problem. Uh, and uh, and the, But the good thing about that is that if you have a variety or a tree that maybe because of location does get a lot of it, there's ways to prevent it now where you just – pour drench at the base of the tree and that will prevent that from occurring you do it twice a year you do it in the spring you do it again in midsummer and that will keep them clean so you won't have that sooty mold problem and it can be an issue in, in what you just mentioned in parking lots where people are parking on these trees and that sooty mold actually the uh, uh the sap will fall on the car and 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 mildew so that's an issue there's a new problem that's been occurring about seven eight years called bark scale and usually that is a it's a really weird-looking nodules that grow on the base of the trunk uh, that can be an issue. Just hadn't seen a, a lot of it in, in this area, and, uh, and so hopefully that remains. And then the other big issue we see is, is a, uh, uh, it gets on the bark. It really, it's called lichen. It's this mossy stuff that grows on the bark itself. And that is really more of an indicator of the plant either, either not being cared for properly or it's not planted in the right spot, or for whatever reason is having issues. So it's more of an indicator of problems. And this is this gray moss that grows on the bark itself. And so you can spray the moss, but really the the, the, the solution is to, uh, you know, fertilize it and to eliminate any issues that may be causing problems. I mean, it could be a lot of things. It could be that it stays way too wet, you know. And so and a lot of issues that could cause that, but pretty much that's what it is. When it comes to colors of crepe myrtles, Jeff, there's a wide variety of colors in, in, in all of those segments, whether it be miniatures, semi-dwarf, dwarf, and big ones, whites, pinks, lavender, purple, um, multicolored. Um, you know, so, you know, a lot of people, you know, say, well, I, I'm not going to plant this because I don't like the colors, but the crepe myrtles, that should not be an issue because si- simply um, uh, they give you a, a wide, a wide uh, room. The biggest issue people come in is they say that the crepe myrtle is not blooming. And you say, well, what caused the problem? We look for, first of all, we look for light, how much sunlight they're getting. Do they're getting uh, a, a lot of shade? Uh, and that's the, the first thing. Competition, competition from other trees uh, or plants. Uh, if it's planted uh, near a bunch of shrubs or they have a big line of trees behind it, yeah, and they said, well, yeah, it's good. It's getting a good uh, eight, ten hours of sun. That's, that's fine, but also it's probably getting a lot of competition from the roots at the soil. So, competition can cause that plant to, uh, not to bloom properly, and which means you'd have to fertilize it more and uh, and and water it in in periods of stress. So, all that plays a factor. And remember too, when it comes to issues, a lot of times the issues that occur this summer will af- affect the blooming. For next year, uh, not that it won't affect this year too, but you know, if a plant loses its leaves or doesn't have many leaves or the leaves aren't healthy this summer, that's going to affect next year's blooming. So you got to keep all that in mind too. Uh, 
uh, varieties. Certain varieties do better than others. Uh, certain varieties are more susceptible to fungus issues or sooty mold issues than, than others. So, uh, and, and then lack of fertilization, you know. Even though, you know, crepe myrtles pretty much like you're seeing out here, Jeff, uh, these crepe myrtles are pretty much surviving on their own. I don't see anybody going out there and fertilizing those things. Yeah, and th- there is some maintenance around them, but I don't know what that maintenance yeah. might be. And right. obviously, they haven't worried about those suckers uh, out there uh, in particular. But, you know, one thing I was wondering, too, uh, you know, I've been in town almost 22 years. Uh, these predate me. How, what is their lifespan like? And obviously, they don't get much bigger than what we're looking at right now. Well, I'll tell you, Jeff, this was done in the early 70s. So is that 50? Could they be that old? Yeah, that's that's 50-something years. Oh, absolutely. And uh, very, very hardy. And because uh, I, I think many of these trees were planted at the time. Now, some, were, some other type trees were replaced, but I bet you very few of the crepe myrtles were replaced. And uh, so, yeah, they can. They can uh, do extraordinarily well. And, and again, it's part of the issue a lot of plants will last a long time except that uh there are certain factors that knock them out whether it be cold whether it be the hurricanes come through and just break it apart and they just people just dig it out and crepe myrtles just don't have and that's two big factors when it comes to trees you know hurricanes and and cold temperatures other issues would be fungus but usually the ones that do well down here can can handle the fungus issues and that's why if you don't see them you don't see them but uh, it's it's very very resilient and uh, it just has to be taken care of uh, intermittently. But but not the the biggest issue I've always seen with crepe myrtles, uh, Jeff, is they put the plant in the wrong location. And if that if you put a plant plant near a, uh, a swimming pool, you're going to hate crepe myrtles <laughs> because it will eat you alive. And so you know you just got to be aware of that they are a somewhat messy tree in terms of what they drop. But uh, they are a resilient tree in terms of they will they will they, they don't need any maintenance or care uh, in between years. I would imagine too, uh, not just uh, near the pool, but think about where the wind is prevailing from during the time of year they're likely to drop. To drop to. Absolutely, got a caller on the line, I believe. Uh, let's see if it's a question or comment for Richard. Hi, you're in there. Yes, I've got a com a question actually. Uh, Richard, I've got a, um, I've got some plants in the five gallon buckets. I did some squash also, like the zucchini squash. Now, it has been dry in my area. I haven't been getting a lot of rain, but I've got some leaves on my zucchini squash that are now flowering. They've got these little light colored beige looking spots that are developing on some of the leaves. Mm-hmm. Any idea what's going on? I know sometimes you just say, some people say, oh, it's water on the leaves, but we haven't been getting any rain. And I've been raining them, but I ran it at the butt, the piece of the plant and not over the leaves. Okay. So, so remember this. Even though we're not getting any rain and maybe you're not wetting the leaves, it's still very humid. So we're still going to get yeah. fungus issues, and that is definitely it. So what you want to do, though, on a big plant like that, a lot of times – I don't know. A, a, a squash have big leaves and they're very clustered. If you plant them, if you put the plants close together, they'll kind of shade each other. So that could be an issue. But as soon as you see those spots, break those plant leaves off. You can spray with a fungicide; that'll help you. But a lot of times, you're just going to get on a few leaves, and if you could get it off of there quick enough, 
a lot of times it won't need the problem. But, but that's what it is. And, uh, and so you just want to break them off if you can. And then really, if you'd spray, that would help you too. Okay. I'll do that. I appreciate it. Appreciate the call. Three six seven twelve forty. We've still got a minute or two. Yeah, a, a squash is a is a it's it's really big foliage. It makes a big bush, and so if you look at what's recommended on squash plants, I know he had his in buckets. Uh, probably not an issue, but uh, they recommend three feet apart, which is a pretty substantial distance, you know, as opposed to a cucumber, which is twelve inches. And that's because this bush gets really big and has a lot of leaves on it. So when people start to to instead of three feet, they'll put their drop of seed every foot. They get a lot, a lot of leaves clustered together, and it causes problems. And it's usually fungus problems that they just can't, those leaves don't dry out. Even though you're not wetting, Jeff, it's humid, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that humidity will cause, will cause issue. And uh, the one he described is classic with squash. And uh, if it's not too bad, breaking leaves off will certainly help it. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's very common in South Louisiana because of the humidity levels. Gotcha. Anything else you want to cover today? Uh, I think that's it, Jeff. Other than uh, you can still replant. Uh, we'll start with our, our, our heat tolerant tomatoes, I think, next week. Uh, plenty of time for that. We've got about four or six weeks to plant those. But you can still plant squash seed. You can still plant, plant uh, cucumber seed directly in the ground. And you can get actually two more crops in there. The crop you plant now may not be as productive as your first crop, but they will produce. And then you can plant another one, you know, toward the uh, end of August, September. Direct seed. You, have to, you don't have to plant these. And, you know, in the spring we're planting seeds in pots and growing it. This is direct in the ground, and they will grow like a weed right now. Okay. You mentioned um, tomatoes. Uh, are those what we refer to as fall tomatoes? They, exactly. You harvest in the fall. You don't plant exactly. in the fall. Exactly. That's a good We'll talk about it as time goes on. But that's one that you want to plant uh, really in the heat of summer. We'll plant from generally the rule would be from the middle after 4th of July to the middle of August. You want to plant then because they can take the heat and grow and thrive if you keep them wet. So they, they will thrive. The, 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 the critical part is that the flowers will set fruit when it's really hot. And uh, so if you get them in the ground in mid-July to mid-August in that time frame, they will grow by temperatures when temperatures start to get milder, not cooler, just milder, they will start setting. And you will produce. We had people produce uh, last year till that hard cold in December and did extremely well. Gotcha. Anything else? That's it, Jeff. All right. Richard, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll look forward to uh, the next time. And uh, open six days a week six right days now? A week, yes.